sheets that I had made up just in case you wanted to follow along. I actually was able to get ahead a little bit this week, which was kind of nice, and so I printed something out for you. Maybe if you'd like to take some notes while we talk tonight. If not, it won't hurt my feelings. Just act like you're awake, and we'll be okay. How about that? I was telling Drew, uh, obviously I know the weather and sickness and so on has affected a lot of people, but I... I wonder tonight how many folks were so offended by me putting Christian Leitner on the screen this morning that they refused to come back. And, uh, oh, was it on TV again? How about that? I tell you what, you know, if, now if Kentucky had come out on the winning side, if that was, if that was Darren Feldhouse shooting that shot, then, then obviously that moment would be celebrated, wouldn't it? But boy, it's amazing how just being on the other side of that, and that's, you know, considered by so many people to be that you know the greatest shot or whatever in college basketball history. So every March, you know, it's coming back around. Anyway, I uh, see. There you go. You know, I yeah. I'm telling you. You know, it's just it's the way I know. See, he stepped on. Who was it? He stepped on. Sean Woods. Yeah. See, there you go. So anyway, I you know, if you were offended, then by all means, I apologize. But. Uh, you know, it's amazing, uh, as we looked at this morning, just to see, uh, you know, even in things as simple as being a fan of a ball team or a particular individual, how it really does have parallels with our Christian life and, um, and the life that God calls us to is much like the life that we spend as a fan. Devotion, uh, faith in the team, uh, you know, kind of sort of dressing up, so to speak, in, in the team's colors and whatever, and and so, anyway, I hope that as we looked at that scripture this morning that you were challenged uh, to evaluate your life on, on your faith and devotion. I know this week was certainly that for me as I sort of get ready each week to, to preach to you. There's an awful lot that the Lord has to do in my heart to make me feel like I can stand here with any sort of credibility whatsoever and say anything to you. I realize each week I come uh, completely unworthy to... Uh, stand before you. I was praying this morning before I walked in from my office, and, and it, it just hit me, and I this, these are my words to the Lord, that, you know, God, I'm, I'm not even worthy uh, to, to even read your word, much less to preach it, and, and yet I'm thankful that God gives me the opportunity uh, to stand in front of you, and, and uh, in front of you in particular, not just uh, random people, but in front of you and people that I have come to know and love, and so it's good to see you. I hope you had a good afternoon. I know a lot of us are not feeling well. I have three, including my wife, at home that are not doing well, and and uh, it seems to go in cycles. We thought we were over it, and yet, unfortunately, we may not be. Um, tonight, I want us to look briefly at another part of Galatians uh, that uh, that has to do with, uh, with something that I, I think can get a little bit confusing for us, uh, and, and I'll start with this. Think about... Uh, your, your growing up times. Um, maybe for you that's been a little while. Maybe for you you feel like, golly, that was just yesterday. How did it get here so quickly that that time is gone? There are things certainly that you probably miss about growing up. Maybe the lack of responsibility that you had. You look back and you think, oh boy, I thought I was so stressed out and had so much going on. You know, I, I think of our high school and college students as I have worked with uh, with those ages in the past and still today talk with them. And, and I remember what it was like not that long ago to feel exactly the way they do. Wow, I don't have any time. It's just amazing. I, I just I just can't find the time to do anything. I'm so stressed out. And, and, and then later on you realize what stress and no time is all about. 
You know what I mean? When you when you get married and the Lord maybe blesses you with a family and, and you just have you have your job and career and things that go on and you realize, my goodness, sometimes I wish I'd go back. Sometimes, I, I have to be honest with you, moving back to Murray, uh, I drove by the apartment that I lived in for a couple of years and and just thought, oh man, how, how good did I have it back then? The university was even paying for that apartment. Well, I mean, that was incredible. You know, I didn't have to pay for anything. Wasn't it great? All I do is go out and play baseball. That's exciting. Now it's a little different, you know? And so sometimes maybe you're like me. You just you miss something about growing up, or maybe it was the friends you had, the memories that you made with them. Maybe you bump into an old friend at a reunion of sorts, or just seeing them around town. Or uh, It's amazing how that can, can just take you back, and you just think, boy, oh, really miss those times. And then there are things I'm sure you don't miss about growing up. You know, certain things that you weren't able to do. You, you couldn't do this or that, or you made some mistakes and some, some real not smart things to do, and you just realize, well, I don't want to go back and repeat all that stuff again. You know, I just, or times may have been hard for your family. Maybe you went through some really difficult things. I know uh, in, in our church, I'm sure, just like any particular group of people, there were folks who who had some rough childhoods, who probably were not treated real well by their parents. And so maybe you'd say, I don't miss that, that's for sure. Uh, but it's interesting how we, we, we have things that we miss, things that we don't. Uh, and, and if you look around in our society, you see people who maybe grew up too fast, maybe they, were, they had too much responsibility. And then, then we see people who they don't want to grow up. You know anybody like that? Maybe anybody in your life, maybe it's a, a friend, or maybe it's a son or daughter, or maybe uh, it, it's a relative of some sort, or just somebody you work with, maybe, or you've known. They don't want to grow up. You know, there's a, there's a, a term for that now, and it's growing, and they're called kid-olds. Kid-olds, because they're half kid and half adult. They're, you know, they, that's, that's the truth. Psychologists are studying these things. I found some stuff on the Internet this week that I thought was interesting. I, I wanted to share with you. I didn't realize this, that among viewers 18 to 34, ages 18 to 34, the Cartoon Network on TV boasts a higher overall rating than CNN, Fox News, or any other cable news channel. The Cartoon Network from 18 to 34-year-olds. you kidding? The Magic Kingdom in Disney World is the number one adult vacation destination in the world. Now, many of them have children, but they're talking about people that are unattached to children. That's where they go. Disney World. Now, I like Disney World and all, but, you know, the average age of video game players. Anybody got a guess? Average age. with 13, 14, we say 25. The average age is 29 years old. Are you kidding me? Now, some of you probably love video games and all. I, that's, that's great. I've never owned a video game system. Never had the luxury of that, I guess, but... But the average age is 29 years old. They're called gamers. They love it, you know, and, and it's amazing. Many people, and this is, this is what one of these studies said, many people believe that as they age, it's still possible to sense the wonder, adventure, and absurdity of childhood. You know anybody like that? What it often turns into, though, is adults buying things from cars to clothes to music and movies intended for people half their age. You see anybody like that? Well, I tell you, working with students and young people for a long time, it's, it's always interesting to me. I, I would go to different youth pastor conferences, and I'm a people watcher, and sometimes I'm a little cynical, and sometimes I stand back and look at people that are trying to act and dress and talk half their age, and it's just funny to me. It's, 
just funny to watch. Uh, this one study found there was a, a mother who took up skateboarding. Now, I, I, I couldn't imagine trying to get on a skateboard. Her son, by the way, thinks she's crazy. That was noted in the study, which that makes sense. Two men who started a kickball league. Uh, and others who play tag or dodgeball, build with Legos, collect dolls, or paint faces for a living. These are all people that are adults. This one guy wrote an article about himself uh, and included in it, he said, while many people in their 40s have families and responsibility, uh, responsibilities, an increasing minority still resemble teenagers. And he makes this, this funny statement, scary, wrinkled, gray-haired teenagers with some kind of terrifying premature aging disease, but teenagers nonetheless. You look at them and you think, you're not a teenager, but they act like it. They're adults, he says, but they behave like kids. It's interesting. And then he lists, he says, who are they? It's, it's uh, any middle-aged person who is in a video game shop on their own and is confidently selecting items without having to ask assistance on what game their kid wants. They know already about all that stuff. Anyone over the age of 15 who is standing or more likely to be holding a skateboard. Uh, They use words they imagine the kids on the street are currently employing, but they are tragically about 18 months out of date. They're trying hard, but they're just not quite getting there. Uh, And then he says, are you one? Are you a kid alt? You were born in the 1960s, but you have a Facebook page, and this makes you think that you're cool. Uh, You are on the Internet and somehow think you're cool because of it. Uh, The average age of people you socialize with is half Uh, your age or less. And this one was interesting. I think of many people my own age with this one. You think anyone wearing a suit must automatically be older than you and get a bit of a jolt when you find out they're only 32. I, uh, you know, it's it's amazing to me uh, that so many people my my age uh, will dress as if they're still teenagers. And um, it's it's interesting. Uh, Finally, another study said that these kidults still live with their parents and hop around from job to job and relationship to relationship. They lack direction, commitment, financial independence, and personal responsibility. In America, the percentage of 26-year-olds living with their parents has doubled since 1970 from 11% to 20%. This means that one in five American 26-year-olds lacks the financial independence, personal responsibility, or courage to leave the shelter of their parents' roof. It's interesting to me how some people just flat refuse to grow up. We probably have known those kinds of people. I've had friends that I went to college with that still want to be just like they were in college, refuse to accept the fact that life has moved on. There are some things, as we noted earlier, that you, that you will grow out of as you get older. Some things you simply just have to. In order to function well in society, you've got to learn to take on responsibility. All of us in this room have probably learned that, the easy way or the hard way, that you're going to have to take on responsibility. But there is one thing, on the other hand, uh, that the Bible implies, and I think even commands, that we should never, ever grow out of. In this sense, we ought to be a kidult in this. Refusing to grow up in this one particular area of life, I think, will set you free to see God properly, to relate to Him properly, and to become the person He wants you to be. I think regardless of your age, this is one thing we should never grow up in. I want you to look with me in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. I'm not sure if I included the entire passage on the screen, so we'll just work through it sort of piecemeal, if that's all right with you. If you've got your Bible, you can flip it open to Galatians 3, and, and we'll cover the passage of Scripture from 
chapter 3, verse 27, to chapter 4, verse 7. And on your outline there, you'll, you can follow along if you like, and you'll see it on the screen as we get to the particular fill-in-the-blanks uh, behind me. In, in Galatians chapter 3, this passage, this is more of Paul's explanation of the freedom and the type of life that believers have in, in Jesus. Do we have... Uh, Let's, let's hang on to that for just a second. Instead of I, I don't think I put it all up there together. But Paul, obviously, in this whole letter, as we looked at last Sunday morning and then this Sunday morning, this whole letter is about freedom. And so we see in these different passages, Paul's just giving us more ideas. Here's, here's more of what freedom is about. Here's more of what you enjoy. And he gets to this particular passage, and I believe gives us something that, that if we'll approach it as a child, that we'll learn that we'd never grow out of it uh, and, and be much better off. He talks about, in this particular passage, that uh, we are given a spirit in verse 6, uh, God's spirit sent into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. We are made into children of God. And then uh, in Matthew, you don't have to flip to this, Matthew chapter 18 and Mark chapter 10, Jesus says and does things that are directed toward children. Maybe you know these particular references where the children are coming to him and the disciples say, well, hold on just a second, get these kids out of the way. And Jesus says, no, wait a minute. Let them come to me because the kingdom of God belongs to children just like this. Because he, he makes reference in both of those passages. Unless you come like a little child to God, then you have no business coming to God whatsoever. That's what Jesus says and implies. And, and not only that, but what he does, he places his hands on those children and he blesses them. If you know anything about society back during the time when Jesus was around, that was, that was unusual for somebody to do that, especially a teacher a very respected, famous person like him to place his hands on children and welcome them into his presence. It was different. And so we have to look then at, at what are the implications of what Paul has to say and, and then what Jesus did and said. What are those implications? And, and I believe it's this. We, we've sort of highlighted what life without chains is all about. If you live free in Jesus Christ, what's it all about? And, and I, I think that, that tonight sort of if you want the sermon in a sentence, if you wanted to say, here, here was the point tonight, here's what we, what we talked about, it's this, that there are some things we simply don't need to grow out of because life without chains, I believe Paul will show us, and Jesus obviously did, life without chains is possible when you take hold of the benefits and you fulfill the responsibilities of being God's child. It, it's, it's, it's interesting how it's a two-way street. You take hold of the benefits and you fulfill the responsibilities of being God's child. This passage in Galatians begs that we understand what it means in great detail because like any family relationship, any, any relationship that you have, there are both benefits to that and responsibilities. Think about when you were a child. You had benefits of being in your particular family. Uh, for me, it was... It was that I grew up in a Christian home. I had parents who were committed to one another. That was a great benefit to me, that I got to see a Christian marriage in action. Parents who led their children to the Lord. I, that was a great benefit. It was also a benefit to me, I know I refer back to it from time to time, that my dad taught me to play baseball. It wound up paying for my education in college. Tremendous benefit to me, the family that I grew up in. And yet there were responsibilities as well. Uh, let's back up just a, just a little bit, guys. I'm not quite... Very good, right there. There we go. Uh, there were responsibilities as well. Certainly, like any kid, I had stuff I was responsible to do around the house. Taking out the trash, cutting the grass, doing things like that. 
But it went beyond that. There were responsibilities. I had to represent my family well. One of the things that's interesting that we're trying to teach our young children now is not to embarrass our family in any way. And, and that may sound kind of harsh and sort of legalistic, and that's not my heart in it. But I want them to understand that what they do not only reflects them, but it reflects us as a family, as parents. And so that was part of my responsibility. In any family, any relationship, there are benefits and there are responsibilities. Because if it's not a two-way street, then there's no relationship. I mean, you ever had somebody like that who you're trying to have a relationship with them, but they don't reciprocate in any way. If it's not a two-way street, there's no relationship. So here's what I want us to do very quickly tonight. I want us to look at the benefits and the responsibilities of being God's child. This thing that we should never, ever grow out of. Because Jesus said, if you're going to come to me, you better come like a little child. And he doesn't put an age requirement on it. He doesn't say, well, until you graduate from high school and you're not legally considered an adult any, you know, or a child anymore, then, okay, then it's fine to change the way you approach me. He just it's a blanket term. So whether you are young, old, or somewhere in between tonight, this is something that we should never grow out of. Here, here are some of the benefits as we'll look at, and then we'll see these passages of Scripture. Uh, one of the first benefits that Paul lists uh, is instant life partners. You get, as a child of God, you get some instant life partners. It's interesting. Check this out. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. He says this, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now you could really drill that down and get really legalistic and say, well, does that mean that everybody is, just has the rights to do everything they want, there's no big deal and so on? That's not the point. Paul's simply making the point that when you are in Christ, that you've got instant life partners, regardless of somebody's background, regardless of their race, regardless of their social standing, regardless of their gender, we're all in this together. One of the things that I know uh, for me has been something that I've been really trying to learn as I relate to you and to this church in particular. Uh, it's probably obvious to you that many of the people in our church are older than I am. Maybe just a little bit, but I'm, you know, I'm losing my hair, so that's, that's, that's going to help me look a little bit older maybe, you know, I don't know. But, but, but what I have learned is that there has got to be something that brings us together that age cannot do. I cannot become older than I am any faster than you can become younger than what you are. Does that make sense? There's no way to do it. And so there's ha there has to be some common ground there. And, and I believe that that common ground is, is Jesus Christ himself. I, I firmly believe that. I don't think that you and I, should we be different ages, are automatically going to have all of the same things in common that we deal with in life. And yet Jesus never changes, so we come together on that. I think Paul makes the point that when you are in Christ and are a child of God, that you've got instant life partners. You've got some people to walk through life with. It is so tragic to me to see people who are lonely and have no one at all to take care of them. There was a, an accident, I guess it was Friday, I got a call from someone in Louisville that a man that I had known for my entire life and was very active in our church, was a deacon there, that he was tragically killed in an accident, 63 years old. And so he has a wife and he has three grown children and several grandchildren and was a good man. And I just think of his wife, who is somewhat physically disabled, 
And I just think I'm, I'm so thankful that I know that there are life partners with her to walk her through this tragedy. Our church will rally around her there. And I, I know that in, in this church here, our church will rally around people. We gain instant life partners because of that. I'm not sure you see that as a great benefit, but I'm learning to see it more and more that as a child of God, that regardless of how old or young someone is, another child of God is an automatic life partner for me. I share something in common with them far beyond anything age can do. So we gain that regardless of our gender, race, or social status. And then secondly, we, as a child of God, you have the benefit of becoming a part of God's incredible plan. This is interesting that Paul would draw the the parallel here in chapter 3, verse 29. He says this, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. You may read over that and say, well, what on earth is he talking about? Why would you mention Abraham in Galatians of all places? That doesn't even make sense. But if you know what Paul is talking about, he refers back to Genesis chapter 12. You'll see this on the screen too. If you'd like to follow along, God interrupts Abram's life. It was his name at the time, and he says this, The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I'll show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you, bless you rather, and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This was a promise God had made thousands of years before. Paul refers to it and says, if you are in Christ, you're a part of the fulfillment of that promise to be a blessing to all people. The ultimate blessing to the world was Jesus Christ. Obviously, as Christians, we have the opportunity to then be a blessing. We are written into the Bible in some strange spiritual way. We become part of God's fulfillment, His plan. Maybe your life has no significance, you think. Maybe you just think, well, I just take up space and just do what I do and, you know, I... Nobody really paying attention to me whatsoever. I don't really feel like I've done anything in my life. If you are a child of God, the Bible makes it clear here in Galatians that you're a part of God's incredible plan. That, that because you've given your heart to Him, you're not just some insignificant nobody. You, regardless of your age and what you've done and what you haven't done, because you are a child of God gives you great significance. You're a part of God's incredible incredible plan. And through Jesus, we get to get in on that original plan he gave to Abraham to be a blessing to, to, to all nations. And you are now, as God's child, a blessing to others. Um, and then thirdly, a benefit is, I think this is probably the overwhelming benefit, is an intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father. An intimate relationship with Him. Uh, verse 5 of chapter 4 in Galatians says this, says, to redeem those under the law, and then the last part of it says this, so that we might receive adoption as sons, or as his sons and daughters. And then verse 7 says this, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now, those, those terms that Paul uses are intimate family terms. This is not a foreign relationship anymore. Paul says, look, you're not on the outside anymore. You're on the inside with God. You have the opportunity to have a personal and very intimate relationship with Him. There's no fear, there's no walls, there's nothing else that, that, that no one else needed to talk to God on your behalf. You can approach Him. The, 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 in verse 6 there, it says that we get to cry out to Him just like Jesus did. The, the verse that He says, in, in, in the words He uses in verse 6, Abba, Father, those are the same words Jesus used when He talked. 
and, and I don't know what kind of view you have of God. For much of my life, I think I've viewed God as a judge. I viewed God as a guy who's up there waiting to, to just set me straight. Ever had that experience with God? Maybe you just, you know, oh, I got down the line and just, wow, I just wait to get hammered, you know? But the Bible makes it clear we get to use the same word for God that Jesus used, which means we have the same access to Him that Jesus had. We, we get to approach Him boldly in the same way that Jesus did. He wants us to have an intimate relationship with Him. So there are benefits of being a child of God. If we ever grow out of that, if we ever think, well, I need to sort of graduate in my walk with God, you know, I, I need to get away from this, I believe we'll, we'll lose the intimacy that we have with God. Because over and over in the Bible, he speaks of his, of his followers as his children. And we refer to him as our Heavenly Father. I think this is something we should never, ever grow out of. But along with the benefits come responsibilities. So if you're saying, okay, now, what am I supposed to go do? Just get to the point. Tell me what I need to go do after I leave here, all right? That's you. If you're utilitarian in that way, love you. Here you are, all right? Here we go, right here, and we'll finish up with this first responsibility Paul lays out, or one of them, is to talk to God personally. So that's pretty simple. Absolutely. Talk to God personally. Again, referring to chapter 4, verse 6, Paul said again that we have this, this spirit in us that allows us and urges us and commands us to cry out to God, to talk to Him very personally. I, I, I would love it. I would love it. Uh, to, to be able to hear some of your prayers as you talk to God personally. And I realize that's maybe a, it is a very personal thing, and that's I don't want to, to intrude on that. But I absolutely love to hear people pray that talk to God like they know Him. You ever heard somebody talk to God like they know Him? I mean, just, just really, like they've, like they've been talking to Him for a while. They don't treat Him as if He's some far-off deal. They don't treat Him as if they're praying to impress everybody else. They just talk to God like they know Him. I think that Paul shows us that not only do we have the benefit of talking to God that way, we have the responsibility of approaching God very personally. Because if we're truly going to be children of God, we've got to approach Him like He's our Father. You would not, if you have a great relationship, a very loving relationship with your dad, talk to Him the way we sometimes pray to God. It's, it's, it's amusing sometimes, isn't it, to hear our prayers, and it's a laundry list of things that we want. I wouldn't talk to my dad that way. My dad was in town today. I didn't, I didn't ask him for anything. I just sat and talked to him for a while. I just, hey, Dad, how's things going? We talked a little bit about sports, and we talked about this and that, and we just kind of talked. It wasn't anything I asked for. I didn't have a list of stuff. Now, my kids were. You know, that's a little different. That's Grandpa. But, but, uh, and he bought everything. My dad's lost his mind when it comes to my kids. But anyway, but you know, I mean, in a, in a healthy relationship with a loving father, it's not all about what you want, what you can get. It's about getting to know him a little bit. It's about enjoying sharing mutual interests and just talking to him personally. I wonder sometimes how, how much do we really know about what God cares about? Do, do we talk to him in that way, that we understand what, he, what really makes him happy? what his joys are, what he sees in the world. We just say, you know what, God, show me how you see the world. Help me to understand your perspective a little bit. Talk to God personally. I, I firmly believe that regardless of how old or young you may be, regardless of how long you've been in church, there are some of us that tonight simply need to walk away and, and go spend some time with God just talking to him personally. 
I really believe that. And I don't have anybody in particular in mind when I say that. It's probably me. But, but I just think, well, what if we had a church full of people that no matter how young or how old or how much in between we were, we just talked to God personally. And we got to know Him on that level. You want to see your kids, your grandkids, your friends, your neighbors come alive and know God personally? You've got to. You've got to talk to Him personally. Not only that, but Paul hints toward the fact that we need to resemble our Father. Resemble your Father. Verses 5 and 6 of chapter 4 again say that we were we have experienced adoption as sons and daughters, and then we're no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God, it's, it's evident over and over and over in the New Testament that God expects those who are His children to become like Him. I don't think there's any way to argue that whatsoever. Even way over in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 11, Be holy as I am holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, Be holy as I am holy, quoting the Old Testament. It's interesting that over and over, those who are considered sons and daughters of God are then to resemble Him. Ephesians chapter 5, I'll read it to you. It says this, Therefore be imitators of God, as dearly loved children, and walk in love, as the Messiah also loved us and gave Himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Makes it clear, be imitators of God, because you are dearly loved children. We have the responsibility to think like God thinks. We have the responsibility to do what He does to love, to forgive, to, to reach out to those in need. We have a responsibility to love like He loves. Our benefit is that we get to know Him and be a part of His incredible plan. Our responsibility as a result of that is to become like Him, think like Him, do what He does, love like He loves. And then Paul also mentions this. The responsibility that we have not only includes talking to God personally, resembling our Father, but then becoming one with the family. Becoming one with the family. Now, for me, this is this is probably the one that's the most easily overlooked, the most undervalued, and I think the one that we say, yeah, okay, yeah, the other two, yeah, that's great. I understand it's God's child, and I'll talk to him, sure. Yeah, I need to I need to do things like he does, but I mean, isn't that where it stops? Just kind of between me and God. I mean, that's just sort of the way it is, and yet Paul makes it clear in, in chapter three, verses twenty-seven and twenty-eight. When he says, For as, as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul is challenging his readers, and I believe us, to be active in overcoming the things that normally divide us. I'll be honest with you. I, I struggle when I see churches that are resistant to anybody who is not quite like the people that are already there. I, I, I don't particularly sense that here. I've just seen that as maybe you have. Regardless of how they may think or say what they believe, we love everybody and we're welcoming. Sometimes you see churches that they all look the same. They all make about the same amount of money. They all drive the same kind of car. They all live exactly in the same neighborhood. I mean, if, if you don't meet their standard, you're not in. And I question, I question whether or not those churches, number one, truly are following God. Secondly, they really understand God. 
Because in heaven, we're going to have all sorts of races. We're going to have all kinds of backgrounds. There's going to be rich people, poor people. There's going to be people in between. There's going to be people who lived a long time, people who didn't live very long at all. There's going to be all kinds of people. And so I, I, would, I would think and I would hope and I would pray that we ought to be about breaking down the walls, especially between other Christians that seem to divide us. Paul makes it clear that once you're in Christ, there, race doesn't matter. There's no Jew or Greek. Race doesn't make any difference. I, again, uh, it was funny last week when I uh, was leaving here, Jimmy Bell said, uh, made a joke about getting into meddling and things like that. He was joking with me. And I, I don't, certainly don't want that to be the case, but I, I, I want us to make sure that we realize that the Scripture makes no room for any distinction based on race between believers. Obviously pointing to the fact that there is no prejudice allowed whatsoever in God's family shouldn't happen cannot be the case regardless of what whether it's a majority to minority or vice versa it's it's not allowed paul says there's no distinction anymore on race jew or greek two different races no distinction whatsoever not only that but on social standing there's no slave there's no free well i tell you if we had if we had a place we had people and i believe we're we're on that right track because i can see it that just say, you know what, regardless of your background, regardless of, of your social standing, we're going to love on you and we're going to be a life partner for you. Imagine what God could do in a church like that. I didn't see people based upon what they made or didn't make. And then finally, he says there's no male or female. There's no gender issue. There's no, there's no distinction between having the full rights and benefits of a child of God based upon the fact that you're a man or you're a woman. Are there different roles that God has created? Absolutely. But is there any distinction, any more access to God because you are a man? No. Or because you are a woman? No. We all have equal rights to God according to what the Scripture says as His children. So we are to become one with the family, to, to pursue and, and to knock down the things that typically will divide us. I, I think it's true that when Christians treat each other as true believers and uh, true brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of race, regardless of social standing or gender, that the power of those distinctions is broken. The power of those things is broken, and the foundation is laid for social change and for God to do something incredible. And then, let's close with verse 7. It says this, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. There's a distinction here. Paul switches from plural to singular. He was talking about we are the children of God. We are sons and daughters. And then he says, so now you, no longer a slave, but a son. And if you're a son, then you are an heir. You are part of God's family. You are a brother, a sister to Jesus Christ. And that verse has to make us stop and think, do I really experience God that way? Do I, do I really experience God like that? Truly as a child of God? Or have I grown out of that? Have I now become so sophisticated in my Christianity that I no longer approach God like a little child approaches God? Do I live in the reality of my identity as a son or daughter of God? Have I grown out of it? As a believer in Jesus, the truth is, according to what Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that you are adopted to be a child of God. And that's one thing in your life that you absolutely, and I absolutely must never grow out of. I must never grow out of that because I will live in chains 
I will live just trying to make sure that I'm doing everything right, which puts chains on me until, until I take hold of the benefits and fulfill the responsibilities of being God's child. Until then, I'll be in chains. Regardless of your age, regardless of my age, we are called to approach God as children. I really believe it, that our church will never experience the amazing things that God can do if we live in chains. If we're not experiencing the reality that God wants for us individually. I don't think that we'll ever really see all that God can do if we don't don't experience the reality that God wants. We've got to live in the freedom that comes with the benefits and the responsibilities of being God's children. And I've wondered, what if, what if we had a church full of people who were life partners for each other. Many of you have those relationships. I'm so thankful for that. I see it. I, I walk around to some of our classes on Sunday morning and I, I smile when I leave because I know there's some life part. We've had a church full of that. Full of those people. That you know on Sunday morning folks paid attention to who's there and who's not. If they're not there, they don't call us and say, where you been? We call to say, hey, we haven't forgotten you. How you doing? Hope everything's okay. We're life partners with those people. What if we had a church full of them, full of people who saw themselves as a part of God's plan for blessing those around them? Who said, you know, I get to be in part of God's incredible plan. I'm going to be a blessing. And people who, who, who intimately talked with God, whose lives were so full of just being around God that you walk away from them and you think, my goodness, there's something different about them. You know somebody like that? You just think, well, I've been around that person. I've been in the presence of God. Because I know they have. And it rubs off. What if we had people in our church across the board who resembled our Heavenly Father? We thought like Him. We loved like Him. We did the things He did. And what if we had people in our church across the board who who became one with the family of God, who didn't let any of the barriers, any of the distinctions that normally divide us, we didn't let any of that stuff stop us. There are great benefits to being a child of God. There are great responsibilities. That's one thing where we need the Peter Pan syndrome. We need to never grow up. Never grow out of being God's child. We, we need to be kiddults when it comes to approaching God. We need to say, you know what, God, I don't care how old I get, how much scripture I read, how sophisticated I'm supposed to act, I'm going to come to you as my Heavenly Father. And I don't want my relationship to ever change like that. Maybe tonight you need to walk away and just say, you know what, I need to talk to God like He's actually my Father, like He actually loves me, and He's got something to say. Maybe you just need to say, you know what, I just haven't been loving the people of God like I ought to, and I'm going to do something this week. I'm going to love on somebody who's a child of God. Or maybe, maybe there's something else that you take away, but don't ever, don't ever grow out of being a child of God. Have the Peter Pan syndrome. I am never going to grow out of that. Never going to grow up. I'm always going to be a child of God. Let's pray and then we'll close. God, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to know how not to grow out of being your child. We know that we shouldn't. We know that you want us to approach you with simple faith and trust, just like a little child does. God, I pray you'd fill our church up with people that are just in love with their Heavenly Father. Talk to you personally love on on their brothers and sisters that get in on being a blessing to other people we break down distinctions and we we love people regardless so god make us that kind of people make us that kind of church god i pray for 
for your spirit just to be poured out on this place. Now, what a testimony it would be to be able to see a church in Murray, Kentucky, where God has come alive, where Jesus is absolutely exalted, and that's all we care about. Now, change our hearts if need be. Inspire us if that's what we need. Keep us going if that's what we need. God, I pray that across the board, our young people, our folks in between, and our older people, that all of us would understand the benefits and responsibilities of being your child. Thank you for that privilege. Help us to live in it, to enjoy it, to fulfill those responsibilities. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for going to the cross to make all that possible. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us and we'll...